continue our journey through 2 Corinthians. We are in a section here, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 15. The treasure in earthen vessels. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 15. We will pray and read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before your throne. Father, I pray that we are humble. Pray that we are on our knees. Father, that our hearts are before you. Father, as we look at this text, may we understand what the Apostle Paul was enduring. And yet, Father, that your hand was upon him. And even in his suffering and his heartache, and as he himself says, his daily concerns for the church. Father, I pray that we who gather here this day would have a concern for the church, your bride, the body of Christ. Father, may we understand that we have been called to ministry. And Father, it is by your grace and your mercy that you use us. Father, please let us understand what it means to be earthen vessels. And yet, Father, understand that even in earthen vessels, this gospel is unstoppable. I praise you for that. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time. In Christ's name, amen. Beginning of heaven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body, the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. The Apostle Paul here is, I I mean, it summarizes there in in verse 7, we have this treasure in clay pots, earthen vessels, dirt-baked jugs. It's basically what it is. And... When you back it up and you roll it through the flow of what he's saying, he says, who is adequate for this? And he's basing it on, you're an old jug, a garbage bucket. Who is adequate for this? And then he had gone in and he had delineated between the old covenant and the new covenant. You know, people have asked me, they said, why don't you ever preach out of the Old Testament? Well, I'm under the New Covenant. And there's times that I will touch on the Old Testament. 
But I prefer to look at the brilliance and the glory that was a mystery, a shadow in the old. I want to see the bright shining. And I have been made adequate because of God to be a spokesman for the new covenant. Now, here's where it gets crazy. If you're saved, you're a spokesman for the new covenant. Every single one of us. It's easy to say, well, that's the preacher's job. Well, the truth of the matter is, there are a whole bunch of people you know that I can never reach. Because I got people now who look at me and say, well, you're supposed to believe that. That's what you get paid to believe. And there are times when I roll it out and everybody smiles at me and say, well, isn't that special? That's what he's supposed to do. Okay, I mean, that's his quote-unquote job. I mean, if you were an electrician, they wouldn't expect you to be out plumbing. Right? So when they say, well, Terry believes that because that's what he's supposed to do. That's his job. The Apostle Paul struggled with the same thing. How can he, he's not much to look at, he's unimpressive, He's not very good at public speaking. His abilities are atrocious. How in the world could he be used by God? My question to so many today is, how could any human being be used by God? I don't know why he didn't just stay with Balaam's donkey. Thinking it's easier. Greater impact. And yet, there's the problem that you see today is that when he starts this thing out in verse 7, he says, it is in an earthen vessel because then who gets the glory? And the New Testament glory is the glory of God in the face of Jesus. You know, I think it was the philosopher Voltaire an ardent atheist who said, I would be inclined to believe in your redeemer. Would you show me a redeemed life? Ain't that true? I I mean, I've run into Christians that I pray I don't catch what they've got. You know, they're just cranky. Christians should be the happiest creatures that ever walked the planet. I have no fear of death. I have no fear of life. I have no fear of my reputation. Why? Jesus has saved me. This old garbage bucket. Not only did he save me, he says, you know what? By my mercy and my grace and my sovereign privilege, I will use this garbage bucket to bring forth more. And it's not based on our education or social standing or whether we were in movies or in Hollywood or any of these other things. It has to do with he opposes the proud. So you should alleviate your pride. I bring nothing to the table. Do you hear what I'm saying? Nothing. The container is irrelevant That is the humility of these treasures and earthen vessels. When we have entered into that realm, we become unstoppable. 
I can't tell you how many times people ask me, you know, it's funny because there are people who run around thinking that they have come up with the $20,000 question. Okay, and so they'll approach me and say, well, what do you think about this? I don't know how many times I have said, I don't know. But how can you say that if you're a pastor? I just don't know. And you know what? I am not stupid enough to make up an answer. Okay? Now, if that's a real burning issue with you, give me a little time. I'll do some research and see if I can figure it out. But I don't even guarantee you that. Because if God says it's not really a burning issue, he's not going to show this dummy. And yet, people say, well, I can't believe you. No, I'm not an educated man, people. The only difference in me and many is I've read my Bible. Genesis to Revelations. Oh, I've read it more than once. Genesis to Revelations. So when I hear somebody throw out a phrase or the Bible says, I can probably tell you whether, no, I don't think it says that. Because that's, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Okay. Uh, No, that was by the great prophet Franklin. Ben, the almanac dude. Okay. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Okay, it isn't about us. It isn't the container. Well, do you have your PhD or your MDiv or and I was, an MDiv? What the is an MDiv? Is that something you step in? And and I get people to try to understand that ain't what God is about. Now listen, He's not anti-intellectual. Okay, please understand that. But what I am trying to say is man has a tendency to push what? Where'd you go to school? I remember a guy one time says, Terry is a unique pastor with us. And he says, well, he, he learned his pastoral skill from the Colombian cartel. All right. Okay. Um, if you guys know the detail on that, uh, don't mess with me. I'll shepherd you (laughs) but we become unstoppable not because of the container we become unstoppable because of the treasure but we are also sacrificials the apostle Paul understood that because he says you know what they can't kill my king again because he's seated at the right hand of God he has been raised for the dead he is immune of death so what they want to do now is kill the messenger And those who would stand firm on the truth of God, guess what? You're going to be a target. There's a book out. It's called The Legacy of Sovereign Joy, written by a guy named Piper. And he basically takes some great men of God and shows how God has directed the church based on an individual who was unwavering in Scripture. Luther, um, Augustus. A number of, of amazing men where literally the whole course of the church changed because one individual was the hinge pin that God swung it on. And the only difference between any of them is their time of birth. Okay. And yet they refused to compromise the word of God. And he could literally take the whole of Christendom and move it 
on one individual. And it wasn't the individuals. It was that steadfastness of truth. But they look at the fruit. I I think we miss this at times. When I look at fruit, we kind of have a mindset that fruit is all these people getting saved. Okay, now... The salvation of souls is definitely fruit. I'm, I don't want to downplay that. But to be able to invest in a soul to strengthen it is fruit also. I, I, they call that discipleship. The problem with discipleship, it is elongated. It will, um, some of you know this, it will test your patience in ways that you could never dream. But it's still fruit. It's still fruit. And I think there's times when we look at it that we are here about our father's work. And we miss that because, yes, it is great to see a soul come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's overwhelming. But there's also that time of the grind of discipleship. One of the great praises that I have in the lands of Russia is, um, you know, I, I, the first few times that I went to Russia, they all sit there with their arms crossed like this. Here's these Americans trying to tell us what. And they're just here on some kind of spiritual vacation. And after I went back, I know, the second or third time, it was all of a sudden they were very eager. And you saw it change, but you had to li- I had a guy throw a book at me. Okay, I was teaching Romans, and um, I said, there is none who seek after God. No, not one. And he says, that's not true. I've always sought after God. And I said, well, that's fine. Just mark it out of your Bible. Okay, by then, they knew where I stood. It's the Word of God, period. I don't have any clever schemes, or in 40 days, we're going to accomplish something. I got to strip down. Here's what the Bible says, period. And so he threw his book at me, and that's fine. But I share that because the thing is, is that you and I have to understand that this was a grind. You go over there. You, you end up in town on a Sunday morning about 6 a.m. They say, you're preaching this morning. Okay, you're preaching this morning. Then you're going to go to a church plant on Sunday night. Now, listen, do you realize you haven't slept on anything that wasn't moving for almost 30 hours? Okay, so when you slept, it was like, oh, I think I just slept. Okay, and then they want you to preach Sunday morning. You go to an outlying church on Sunday afternoon, 8 a.m. on Monday. You start teaching, and you teach from 8 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. Okay, except for Wednesday. Because on Wednesday, you go to another outlying church, and you preach there for two hours, and then you answer questions for two hours. This is not my idea of a vacation. Okay? But it's really cool because you sleep well flying back. I mean, you, I think you're unconscious. <laughs> they come and poke you. Are you alive? But you do that because you understand God has given you the privilege to invest in these people. And they are there to hear. What are you doing? They're around you. They're all around you. The problem in the church in America today, we don't have anything to give them. I haven't read my Bible. I heard the guy preach something. 
But you know what? What you watch it as as a parent? I have watched my kids. They grew up in the church, and you know what? My faith hasn't done anything for them. If they don't do it, it ain't their faith. And that's where the body of Christ is. I can stand up here all day long. I could be the greatest teacher to ever walk the planet Earth. But I got news for you. It will be of no asset to you if you're not willing to bow before the book. It isn't you mastering scriptures. It is scripture mastering you. You look for the fruit. Which brings me to verse 13. Having the same spirit of faith according to what is written. That's so awesome. This is good. I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. You know what? Bottom line. Right there it is. I believed, therefore I spoke. Paul understands if nobody listens, if nobody believes, bottom line, I believe and you're not shutting me up. You can persecute me, you can stone me, you can beat me, and I will still preach. Okay, now when you think about preach, I want you to think about something. It literally means to proclaim. This is what I believe. This is what I speak. We, he, should be concerned about our fruitfulness, not pragmatism. My fruitfulness is going to be based on this is what I believe. Okay, it isn't what I heard somebody say. It isn't a cute little phrase. This is what I have bowed before this book. And this is what I believe. And you can't make me not believe. It's not going to adjust the message for the crowd. We proclaim what we believe. And you know what? Sometimes we even use words in our proclamation. But my life will validate what we believe. Watch this. It is easy to spend about five to ten minutes with somebody and know what their emphasis is. Proclaim what is believed. There is no benefit. There is no fruit. Listen, Jeremiah. No one was listening to Jeremiah. And you know what Jeremiah's conclusion was? So be it. So be it. I believe, and this is what I shall say. But nobody's believing, Jeremiah. Maybe you need to tweak it. They're rejecting you, Jeremiah. They're rejecting you, Paul. They're wanting you dead, Paul. Perhaps you need to adjust it a little bit so you're not quite so offensive. Bottom line. I still do it because this is what I believe, Paul is telling us. This is what I believe. It's an earthen vessel with a precious treasure inside. This precious treasure is the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. Everything I say points to Christ. 
Now look what he says here. This man, this is awesome. I hope I can get through this. Having the same spirit of faith. Okay, now, you have to get back to the original language to get all this figured out because, one, this is not the Holy Spirit he's talking about. Okay, there's no definite article in this. It is the same spirit of faith. Basically, the best that I can understand this is that it is an attitude of belief. Does that make sense? An attitude of belief. I believe this, and it is based on my attitude. It is the core of my being. Um, And what he's saying here is, I have the same kind of belief, the same kind of faith. Okay, it becomes subjective. Okay, it is not the content of the Christian faith. Okay, that's what the context, sorry. That's what the context says. Okay, I believe in the same thing. Look what he says. According to what is written. I believe the same way as what is written. Okay, perfect tense. All right. What is written? What is he talking about? What what he's trying to say, okay, what is written is now what I speak stands as an authoritative document. Okay? You with me so far? As it is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. Get that? As it is written, therefore I spoke. I hear saints on a regular basis give good advice, but it is not what is written. Guess what? That becomes your opinion. And your opinion is of great value to you. But it does no good if it isn't God's truth. Because all it is, is your opinion. I speak what I believe because it is written. Okay, now you can stone me, you can persecute me, you can mock me, you can do whatever you want with me, but the authority isn't me and nor am I his editor. I give him the truth. And the response of it is God's responsibility. Why? Because I'm just a clay pot. Some would say a crack pot. Paul is saying, I believe, I have the same belief as the guy who wrote that. So let's find out who wrote that. If you want Psalm 116, if you would please turn with me. Psalm 116. You know what's amazing about this? People told me all along, all the time, the Apostle Paul, now, see, here's where where you get in trouble. The Apostle Paul never quoted the Septuagint. He always quoted the Hebrew text. Always. You knew it was Paul because that's what he quoted. And that's why they always get in conflict over Hebrews. Hebrews, when you see Old Testament texts translated in in, in, um, the letter to the Hebrews, it's always out of Septuagint. Okay, Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Okay? You know what's amazing? I've been told that for years. Great minds of theology. Except, why didn't you read 2 Corinthians? I believe, therefore I spoke, is translated straight out of the Septuagint. So don't tell me the Apostle Paul always quotes the Hebrew text. But see, man comes up with that idea, and we repeat it. 
All right. Instead of saying, thus saith the Lord. Who would Paul been writing to in Corinth? The bulk of the people. Gentiles. They would have spoke Greek. It's Corinth. It's like across the isthmus from Athens. All right. So what would he have quoted? The Septuagint. All right. I'm, you know, but here's my problem. I'm not bilingual. I'm still trying to be single lingual. So I just said that and you guys, yeah, he's still working on it, ain't he? <laughs> he ain't quite gotten there. Okay. Let me show you. Here's how the text reads. I believe then I said. Okay. Cause the Hebrew word for speak has about five different dialects to it and it can be translated about five different ways. And it basically says to proclaim, to say, to, and, and all the rest of it. Okay. But I want you to look at something in this text. The psalmist. Verse 1 of 116. Okay. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Okay. I love the Lord because he hears me. Therefore, I speak my convictions. Okay, now the psalmist in this text, uh, this is a bummer text. Okay, uh, whatever is going on here, it ain't good. Okay, um, because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. The cords of death then compassed me, and the terrors of Sheol came upon me. Sheol is the grave. They came upon me, I found distress and sorrow. Woohoo! Okay, but how did he start it? I am in this mess and I love the Lord. Now listen, this mess isn't just a, well, things ain't going quite right. When you say I have a terror of the grave, I'm thinking things are going south fast. Then I call upon the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I beseech you, save my life. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to get at here? This is a little bit intense. Okay, now you need to understand what this text is. He's not looking at something that he went to the doctor and had a little spot on his lung. Okay, he's not looking at, you know, things just ain't going that well for me right now, and I'm just sort of bummed out. He's looking at there is something going on in his life that his death is at hand, and it is coming from an outside source. Something is trying to kill him. I mean, it could be a mountain lion. It could be a soldier. It could be a robber. It could be, I don't know what it is. But here's what he says. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Now, don't you find that funny? I find that fascinating. Every one of us in this room have had a time when all else is gone. Help me, Jesus. Right? But have you ever stepped beyond that and said, gracious is the Lord and righteous? Yes, our God is compassionate. Have you ever moved beyond the fervent prayer to let's praise him? Now, what is fascinating to me about this text? Nothing's changed. There's nothing has changed for this psalmist. 
I mean, we get real thankful. Oh, God, that was a close one. Don't we? Thank you, Jesus. But what are you doing right in the middle of it? I love the Lord because He hears. The grave wants me. The Lord preserves the simple. I love that verse. I was brought low and He saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Do you realize that right now there's nothing's changed in this man's life? You've rescued my soul from death. Now, do you understand what that is? How many of us can honestly say, you don't have to raise your hand, can honestly say, I have gone to the Lord in absolute humility with confidence. Most of our prayers, I guarantee you, we're throwing them up and hoping something sticks. The psalmist here says, the grave wants me, but I know he'll save me from the grave. How many of us have ever prayed that way? I am confident. I love the Lord. Why? He hears me. And I am so confident in what I'm praying, I'm praising him now before anything has happened. This is important, brothers and sisters. Return to the rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. You have been rescued, my soul, from death. My eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I said, and I am greatly afflicted, and I said in my alarm, all the men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? I believe, therefore I spoke. And I believe with a confidence which will keep me from shutting up. Now then, I want you to look at this. I mean, you need to think about this because where is this being quoted? By the Apostle Paul. And he says, through all this travail, all of this heartache, all of this anguish that I am dealing with, guess what? I have confidence that the Lord is with me. I have confidence that the Lord is hearing me. I have confidence that I don't have to worry about this. I have confidence that so much confidence. I am not changing my message. I am not changing my method. I am not changing the things I do. And I will watch the Lord overcome. Period. That is the context that you get in 2 Corinthians when he says, I believe like he did. I believe that it is horror around me, my imminent death, but God wants me walking in the land of the living. Now grab hold of that. Because it's easy to say, well, I studied the book of Romans, I believe. You believe like it is written by the psalmist? That regardless of what is going on in my life, I will fervently pray with a confidence to know that he has heard my prayers. Therefore, I love him even more. And even in the confidence of my prayers, guess what? I will not shut up. I think that's awesome. Now, if you all knew this, praise God. If you didn't know this, then you should be standing up and shouting. Because it is really easy for you and I to say, well... I need to pray about it. 
Why don't I pray with an intensity that says, I know that he hears me and I know that I'll be answered any given moment. I am so confident in what I'm praying right now. Oh, by the way, I'm going to praise him already. That changes the whole focus, people. That ought to rock your universe. Do you understand that the creator of the universe is eagerly waiting to hear you so he can answer your prayers? So he can build on your confidence? So that you believe you will? Speak. That's what the Apostle Paul has given to you. Remember, 2 Corinthians is a minister. And he says, I believe like that psalmist. Why? It's an authoritative writing. And I have looked at that writing. And guess what? It is true. I don't know why I don't excite us. You can see it sort of puts a little burr in me. <laughs> that is amazing to me. That rocks my universe. I watch us so pragmatic in so many things that God says, go ahead and do whatever you want. When you get to hold deep enough, call me. And instead of being on your knees before you even grab your shovel, Lord, here I am, send me. Lord, here I am, I believe as the psalmist. Even if the grave wants to consume me, you are there. This psalmist is in deep trouble. Death is looming, grave is open. He has fear for his life, he's worried. He does two things. He begins to pray. Ask the Lord to deliver. But he asks the Lord to deliver with confidence. It's not one of these, Lord, I hope you deliver. And then in verse 12, he moves right into praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What shall I tender to render to the Lord? For all his benefits towards me, I shall lift up the cup of salvation. I shall call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pray my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be that the presence of all of his people, precious is the sight of the Lord, is the death of his godly ones. Nothing has changed. Why are you still doing this? Because I believe that the Lord still answers prayer. I got to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you personally. Do you? If you do, then how can you pray sporadically? You pray without ceasing. Why? Because he hears. Remember Dr. MacArthur one time made a comment about prayer. He says, prayer is like breathing to a Christian. Sometimes you're aware of it. Sometimes you're not. Ain't it true? I mean, there's times, boy, just the the toilet bowl flushes and, and you become the prayer warrior but the truth of the matter is you should be the prayer warrior all the time hey you want to thin out a church next Sunday we're going to meet for prayer that's all you don't think it ain't wrong think about it when the pastor looks at you and says can you close us with prayer your throat dries up your heart falls down around your ankles and you're like I'm going to be scarred for life Why are you afraid to pray out loud? Well, why don't I say something stupid? You will. Absolutely you will. John Bunyan, 
he's wrote, uh, was it Pilgrim's Progress? He says, there are more sins in my prayer, enough sins in my prayers to condemn humanity. John Bunyan? Yeah. I've seen where they locked him up. They said, let you out if you deny Christ. Had a crippled daughter and his wife trying to take care of him. He says, no. So he'd preach out the window of his jail cell. And people would gather up around the tower and listen to him. But he said, in my prayers, there is enough sin to condemn humanity. But look at what we do with prayer. Or I pray quietly. Well, those who pray quietly know this for a fact. God answers quietly. Those who pray loudly, God answers loudly. And the psalmist knew this. Christ crucified. Paul turns people off. Paul is offensive. Paul just rubs people wrong. Jesus Christ crucified. There's a church here in town that does not have any crosses in their building. They said, well, it's not that big a deal. We just don't like to offend people who may not know. How can you teach about hell? How can you teach about judgment? How? Repentance? Do you know that that's really old-fashioned? That was what grandma and grandpa's church used to do. Paul's answer, I believed, therefore I spoke. Bottom line, for the minister, what do you believe? Because you talk about it. I've heard you. Listen, as a pastor, and I've I've struggled with this because I've had many people tell me different things. As a pastor, I cannot be concerned about the audience. Sorry. My first concern, as my brother Paul's concern was, is truth. It's my primary concern. I believe. Therefore, I speak. You see someone without convictions? Anybody notice that today? I've seen people without convictions in pulpits today. I've heard people say from the pulpit, I think what this is, shut down, shut up. And I'm not trying to be rude or anything like that. If you think and you ain't convinced, (laughs) show yourself approved. A worker rightly dividing truth. You know what? I have learned, and, and I always thought maybe it was just me, but I've learned that it's not just me. It takes a lot of work to figure out what God is getting to us. I have heard too many who don't have conviction in their hearts. When you are driven by Conviction, you will speak. You will speak that conviction. A man with a profound conviction doesn't need someone to tell him what to say. He just needs someone to say it to.
Paul understood this. Remember, his faith compelled him to preach. Faith, we believe. What you believe is yours. You can't have mine. You can't have mine. It's yours. And you will speak what you believe. We can't believe... If we can't believe the truth with all of our heart, how will you have a longing to share it? How many of us in here are, 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 are um, like the Arctic rivers frozen over at the mouth? We don't share our faith. Why? Well, it might offend somebody. No, you don't have no conviction on it. Because if you have a conviction on it, they're not going to shut you up. I don't care if they make fun of you. I've been called a Bible thumper. I've been called a religious fanatic. Oh, well, you should have seen what I used to be. And you know what? Well, I can't believe you're that stupid. I had a guy tell me that. No, there ain't no way the earth is billions of years old. Well, I can't believe you're that stupid. Well, perhaps your faith in science is greater than mine. And these were friends. You know what? I, I preach my convictions. Have you noticed? But you know what the basis of my preaching of my convictions is? There's one unwavering truth. I have a fear of God. I know everybody says, well, you're in the grace and mercy. I still have a fear of God. And you know, let me tell you something. It's a healthy fear because I'm unwavering. And it's that fear of God that has put the convictions that are in me. I still am afraid. Oh, yeah, I know grace. I know that it's paid for. Oh, yes, and all forever and all my sins and all the rest of it as far as the east and the west. But I know that the day that I see him, I will hit the ground weeping. And I doubt if I'll have even enough energy to say, whoa. I figure my first thousand years in heaven, I will grovel around on the ground. Afraid to look up. Man, you, oh, but Terry. Well, you know what? Convictions that are in me, I proclaim what I believe, and I see that in my brother Paul, and that's why the Apostle Paul was so powerful. I look at today's society, even the secular society, and I got to ask a simple question. How many people do you deal with on a daily basis speak what they believe? They don't want to be offensive. I don't want conflict. I don't want this. You know, I... I cherish politicians who, whether I agree with them or not, their convictions are they're going to stay right there and speak their convictions. I don't care whether they're right or wrong, left or right or whatever they are. I don't care. I prefer that. And you know what? There just aren't any. So I don't like any politicians. (laughs) Narrowed that down quickly. I don't want to hear this. Well, we need to... No! 
We need people who stand up and say, this is what I believe, this is what I say, and you shall not move me. I like that. I cherish that. Each of us will speak what their faith is. If it's the truth, then God will energize it. If you have the truth under you, you have girded up your loins with it, then you will watch the energy of God move through you. There will be no hesitations. There will be no lack of trust. It will be unwavering. And the confidence is in God. And if you look at the Apostle Paul, was that not what his confidence was? I believe as he wrote... I have the same attitude of belief. I have the same attitude of faith as the guy who wrote, I believed, therefore I spoke. You know what I believe? There's times I know for a fact silence may be a comfort to those who would hear. It doesn't matter. I can't do, Paul couldn't do anything else And you definitely were not going to get the Apostle Paul to say something he didn't believe. What we believe is what we speak. And let me tell you something. When you believe the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, understand this emphatically, it does offend. Because at some point, you are exposing those people as sinners. As sinners. And if you compress the issue and to steal a sermon title, sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know, God is ticked off at you. But if you want to keep fighting him, knock yourself out. You look at our culture. And I think about my daughter and and that age group right now. And... uh, and I hear it, the basic way that I, I have heard it stated is that there are no absolutes. And, and I've had these, <laughs> these conversations before. And they will say, there are no absolutes. And I look at them, I said, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> right? There is no truth. Or truth is what you make it. Okay? And... <laughs> Truthfully, if I pop you in the nose, truthfully, it will hurt. Oh, did I tell you? Absolutely. But but, uh, you look at our society, we we can call it political correctness. I don't care what it is. Why is it that somebody can get up and get a speech, then you have to have all these other people explain to me what he just said? You know what that means? Somebody ain't believing something here. We are to proclaim the word of God. We believe it and we give witness to it. We are called. If you are called, then you believe. If you believe, then it becomes your message. And the message is seen and the message is spoken. And I said, well, you know, you you don't really need to preach. 
Listen, if you're going to preach, it better be the word of God. If you're going to proclaim, it had better be the word of God. What else is there? It is truth. It stands across time. It has taken the attacks for centuries. And it still stands. If it is truth, what do I need more for conviction? I don't have any need for con- to, to force conviction. Why? It is truth. It is the word of God. And you know what is really totally cool about this? God has taken truth that has the ability to overwhelm our convictions so that we believe that we will speak. And he puts it in earthen vessels. Because then the earthen vessels in light of that truth will be humble. The earthen vessels in light of that truth will be unstoppable. The earthen vessels in light of that truth will be sacrificial. The earthen vessels in light of that truth will be looking at the fruit of eternity of mankind that is placed in its way. The truth and that power, we will be faithful to it. Why? Because it is truth. I am therefore unwavering and I will not stop. Nor can I be stopped. I don't know. That just makes me want to jump up and down and say, get out of my way. Because <laughs> the crackpot jug is on the way. We better pray now. Father, we come before your throne, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, as I was looking through this with the psalmist and the apostle Paul, I was overwhelmed. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters will be too. That, Father, we understand that regardless of what is going on, you hear us. Father, may that be the basis of our love, that we know that you hear us. We know that we call upon your name, O Lord, you save us. Gracious is the Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, may we grow in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. May we stand in awe of the amazing things you do. And may our prayers become more and more powerful with confidence in the awesome things that you do. And may we even begin now to praise you. In Christ's name. Amen.